0: Well, welcome everybody. And hey, whether you're listening live right now, maybe you're watching a VOD on YouTube, or maybe you're listening on one of our various platforms currently right now, I want to welcome you to God Squad Church. My name is Boz. If you weren't here earlier, I'm the community care pastor here at God Squad Church. And I have the privilege to be bringing you guys the sermon today. And welcome to all of you who are in chat right now as well. We're glad to have you guys here. Guys, um, today, God was putting something on my heart this past week that I definitely wanted to speak about, and I don't think I've actually ever preached on this specific passage in the Bible before, but it is a great passage, and I think it's an amazing story. It kind of makes me laugh at times, but I think it also has a lot to do with our lives. We'll get into that in just a minute, but today we're going to be talking about The fact that sometimes we have a very lukewarm relationship with God and what it looks like to be all in in that relationship. And that's the title of my sermon is All In, Being All In in Our Relationship and what that exactly looks like. But before we get to that, I feel that it's a great time currently right now in our lives. If you are a gamer, I feel like it's a great time to be a gamer. I'm not gonna lie. When I was younger, I used to sit on my couch, you know, and I would sit at a blank, staring at a blank screen. TV's off, no systems on. I had a Super Nintendo. I had a Nintendo 64 sitting in front of me. I had a bunch of games and I would just sit there and I didn't know what to play. I was in a gaming mood All I, and, and a PlayStation as well. All I needed to do was pop in a cartridge or a CD and I would could be on my way gaming, but I would just sit there staring at a blank screen. And the reason why was because I didn't know what game to play. And it wasn't because I had too many good games, although I will say we had a lot of great games on the SNES and PlayStation and N64, some of the greatest systems of all time. But the fact of the matter was sometimes I would just sit there and I didn't know what to play. There was no online gaming. All you spoiled people out there that have been playing online games since the day you could you could pick up a controller and be cracking 90s or whatever they do these days in Fortnite. I don't even play Fortnite. Whatever you guys, whatever the kids do these days, I don't know. But I would sit there. Single player games in that day and age, a lot of it was the same old progress that you would go through. It was the same old story. You already beat the game 10 times and so... Maybe there just wasn't a game that you really, really wanted to play in that moment. But today, it's a little bit different. Today, sometimes to sit in this chair And I look at my screen and it's black. And the reason why is because I don't know what game to play, but not for the same reasons. It's because there's too many good games to play with online gaming and you have Steam where you can get free games and all sorts of other things. There's just too many good things to play. If you guys are a part of my personal stream, you'll see that the past two weeks has been a little bit interesting Current, usually my mainstay is Final Fantasy 14, you guys know that. But lately I've been having itches to scratch. So I had an itch to play Overwatch. That itch is very easily scratched. It's like one of those things where you're like, oh, I have an itch on my shoulder. You scratch it and you're good to go for the next six months to a year. You don't have to scratch that itch ever again because it's been scratched with one or two games or one night or whatever it might be. But then you have things like Super Smash Brothers. That's more like poison ivy, you know. It takes a little while to get that itch to go away. I love I love me some Super Smash Brothers so I've been playing Super Smash Brothers on my stream the other night I was playing Skyrim and and obviously I still play Final Fantasy 14 almost on the daily and the thing is is there's just too many options so I'm going from one game to the next game to the next game because they're all so good and so I get distracted from what my main game is which is Final Fantasy 14 but I will say that there are times that I am all in on Final Fantasy 14 for months or years at a time. Give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about, though. You know what I mean? Not saying about Final Fantasy 14, but you go all in on this game. I mean, you want to continue playing it no matter what comes your way, and you just continue playing it over and over because you're all in on that game. I I know what that means. (laughs) I've been there before. But I think that we can take this to a spiritual level as well. Uh, I, and so today I want to look at the reasons why we have a lukewarm relationship with God. Because sometimes there's distractions in our lives. Sometimes there's things that take us away from being all in in our relationship with God. And so we're lukewarm. We're also going to take a look at um, we're also going to take a look at how to repair that relationship. And then finally, what it looks like to be all in in a relationship with Him. And so once again, you guys saw on the screen here, it said that the, my first point, which is lukewarm. And I think I think there's multiple reasons why we uh, can be in a lukewarm relationship with God. I think sometimes there's unanswered prayers. And so we kind of get upset with God because he hasn't answered our prayers yet. Or maybe he gave us an answer that we weren't exactly liking. And so we kind of draw away a little bit from the answer that God gave us. It can be physical health or mental health. Expecting God to come through in some way, maybe he didn't come through in the way that you expected him to. So then there's trust issues, you have financial issues, you have relationship issues and troubles and things like that, and those types of problems. And then the biggest one that I think that causes a lukewarm relationship with God would be sin. That actually draws you away from God is sin. And so all of these things can cause us to not be in a full, all-out relationship with God So what happens what happens uh, when we hit this type of relationship with him? We have something else that we normally run to other than God. And, and you else I'll, I'll even say this that sometimes we have another God and you're probably sitting there you're like, ah, another God. I, I only believe in one God that's it I don't have another God Well let me ask you a question. What do you think about most? during the day. What do you trust in most every single day of your life? What do you run to when problems go wrong in your, or when things happen in your life, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a tribulation, where do you run to? And I would say that's what your God is, whether it's you run to video games because you want to escape from reality. And listen, I'm not saying video games are a bad thing, but what I'm saying is that can be a distraction if you're putting video games over God. I would say that maybe video games are the God in your life. It could be books, it could be academics, money, power. It can, It can be your spouse. It can be your family. It could be your friends, a relationship that you're in right now. We have so many different things in this world that we run to and try to escape from reality and try to fix our problems without going to God. And that's, it becomes this lukewarm relationship. And so we're going to take a look today at a story about the Israelites. Because a lot of times at points in history, they had a lukewarm relationship with God. And I want to preface the story that I'm going to talk about. The Israelites at this point, they're going through a three-year drought. They've been praying to all sorts of gods at this point to hopefully make it rain. They have water in lakes and rivers and stuff like that. And that's how they have current water to be able to keep themselves alive. But when it doesn't rain... They don't have like irrigation systems. I don't. They didn't have sprinklers in that day and age, and so it was really difficult for them to be able to have crops growing and things like that, so that they couldn't have any harvest coming in. So food, I'm sure, was in short supply. So they were praying for rain, but there was nothing happening during this point in time, and so Elijah comes around, and he's like, "Hey." You guys have been going in the wrong direction. There's another God, and they had a king at this time. His name was King Ahab. He was not one of the better kings in Israel. He was one of the the worst ones. And it gets to a point where all the Israelites have turned away from God. They've even torn down God's altar. And Elijah comes around, and he says, you know what? All right, I'm going to do something. He he decides he's going to hold a little bit of a big brawl between the gods, between The true and one and only God, Yahweh, and their gods that they were believing in, the main one at that time being Baal. And so we're gonna start in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 29. And it says this. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. They were very stubborn at this point. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. I will prepare the other bull... And place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Verse 24. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers with fire, he is God. All the people answered? That's fine. I That, that answer right there cracks me up. But anyways, verse 25. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then all came, uh, then call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us! But there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them. I lo- Elijah, get he, he gets real here. Elijah mocked them. He said, Shout loudly, for he's a god. Maybe, maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he has wandered away, or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon, they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound. No one answered no one paid attention. I love Elijah's response here. He starts mocking them. Now, I'm not saying for you guys to start mocking people and things like that, but Elijah starts mocking them. And what he does is he says, your deity that you are worshiping is doing something that a human does. Maybe he's watered off in today's day and age maybe he's on the phone with somebody and so he can't take your call right now leave a message at the beep <laughs> like he's literally saying that your god is so low that he's doing what a human is doing Elijah wasn't taking this he wasn't going to just he wasn't just going to allow them to continue doing what they were doing he was saying listen there's something else going on here and you need to realize the error of your way. So he issues this challenge to the Israelites to prove that there is only one true God. But you might be saying to yourself, well, I know there's only one true God. I don't believe in something else. And you're probably right that you do believe. However, I do think that there is a strong correlation between our relationship with God and how he moves in our life. There is a strong correlation in our relationship with God and how he is moving in your life. With that being said, I do believe that as humans, we turn to other things to escape. We turn to other things other than God to help our problems or to solve the problems that we go through in life. And then we don't see any changes in our circumstances. And we ask ourselves, why am I not seeing a change? God, why are things not changing? Why are things not changing in my circumstances? So let me tell you guys what a lukewarm relationship looks like. So now we're going to take a look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard this verse multiple times, but it says, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth a lot of translations it says spit this one says vomit but let's be completely honest here lukewarm drinks they're just not the best (laughs) when when i pick up a can of coca-cola i like coca-cola better than pepsi but if you pick up a can of soda your favorite soda or even or even some uh, a, a a glass of water and you take a sip out of it i expect it to be cold and refreshing. If I pick up some coffee, there's nothing worse. I don't mind cold coffee, cold coffee's fine, but lukewarm coffee is disgusting. Lukewarm milk, somebody put milk in the chat here during first service, that's disgusting. I'll tell you, lukewarm milk is nasty. I'd be spitting that stuff out all the time. (laughs) The fact of the matter is lukewarm things are just not that good. And I believe that what God is telling us here is, listen, a lukewarm relationship with me, that is not how it works. That is not how it works. So what do we do at this point? If you've realized you're in a lukewarm relationship with God, maybe there's something that you're going through in your life right now and you realize that you're in a lukewarm relationship with God, what do we do at this point? And it's in times like these that we need to repair our relationship with God. We need to repair the relationship because there's something damaged in that relationship. And just like any relationship that you have in your life with, whether it's your family, your spouse, your friends, coworkers, boss, no matter where you're at in life and who it is, if you have something going on and there is damage in the relationship, it needs to be repaired. That's just a general thing that as humans, we know that needs to happen. But what we need to do is we need to figure out where the problem is, and then we can repair it. You see, if I have a hole in the wall of my house, I need to first discover the hole so that I can fill it. If there's cracks in the foundation, I need to find the cracks so that I can can make a new foundation for that point. You need to be able to find where the damage is done so that you can actually do the repairing and rebuilding at that point. And we need to figure out why there's a problem with the relationship that we have with God in the first place. I want to give you guys a hint. It's not God's fault. Okay, listen, I'm not trying to place the blame all on you guys or on me, myself, but here's the fact that matter. We are imperfect beings and God is completely perfect in everything that he says and does. He doesn't, he doesn't allow his promises to go unanswered. He doesn't do anything wrong, but if there's damage in a the relationship, there's something that's on us that needs to be fixed in our relationship with God. And so I want you to reflect on your moment for life. Where is that disconnect happening? Where is the disconnect in your relationship with God happening? Is it because you're not spending enough time with him during the day? Is it because you haven't been spending enough time in prayer? Maybe you haven't been spending time in his word or in his presence. Is there sin in your life that you're entangled in that needs to be dealt with and it needs to be worked out because it's dragging you away in your relationship with God? Because any of these things that I, just, that I just said, especially the last one, the sin, especially that one, those things will cause you to be in a lukewarm relationship with him. Those things will cause you to be in a lukewarm relationship with him. Israel at this point had a lot to repair in their relationship with God. But before these events, they were worshiping other gods. And what they ended up doing was they tore down the altar that they had built for Yahweh. The reason why I use the word Yahweh, it, listen, if you, it, this is just a little bit tidbit that you guys can use. Maybe you guys can tell your friends or, or your parents so you can look so smart. If you look in the Bible, you will see uh, different forms that they use for the word Lord. Okay, You'll see everything completely lowercase, which basically means master. You'll see the capital L and then the lowercase O-R-D. But in the Old Testament, a lot of times you'll see the capital L and you'll see a capital ORD, but it will all be smaller than the L. That's translated as Yahweh. So every time you see a capital L and then a small ORD, but those are still capital, that's actually translated Yahweh. So they've torn down Yahweh's altar. So I don't read for you guys, First Kings, chapter 18 verses 30 through 35, and what they do at this point. Then Elijah said to all the people, "Come near to me." come near me. So all the people approached him. Then he repaired, he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about four gallons. Next, he arranged the wood, cut up the bull and placed it on the wood. He said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the offering to be burned and on the wood. Then he said, a second time, and they did it a second time. And then he said, a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water. Elijah had to rebuild the altar that was torn down. He had to rebuild it. Something I think that's interesting about the Israelites at this point was they were suffering from a drought for three years and they were praying to other gods. They were praying to other gods that they might answer that. They might say, this is the time we're going to send you rain now because you guys have been suffering. But no, for three whole years, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying, and they see absolutely nothing happening. They don't see any change in their circumstance. There is no difference. I think that we do the same thing in our lives. I think that in our lukewarm relationship with God, we ask for God to do things, but it's a lukewarm relationship. We're not all in with him. And so we're asking God, can you do this for me? And then when we don't hear an answer, we start going to other things. Like I said before, you start going to video games You start going to your spouse, you start going to the person that you're in a relationship with, you start going into sinful things as well. Maybe you're turning to pornography. Maybe you're turning to alcohol. Maybe you're turning to rage. Maybe you're turning to stealing. Maybe you're turning to swearing. I don't know what it is. We could sit here all day and name all of the sins, but we turn to other things because the situation at hand that's going on, we're not getting an answer in our lukewarm relationships. So what we do is we turn to our other gods, our other relationships, the other things that we are in And we expect our circumstances to change. That's exactly what the Israelites are doing right here. They're expecting a change in their circumstance. But they're not doing anything different. They're not doing anything different. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. We seek this ultimate peace, this ultimate comfort, this this joy. And we we seek these things in all the places of the world that can't give us those things. You see, the things that the world can give us, it's only circumstantial peace. It's only circumstantial happiness. It can't give you what true joy is, and only God can bring that into your life. Only God can give you true joy. Only God can bring you true comfort. He can. He's the only one that can bring you peace in your life. That's it. Nothing else in this world can do that. I promise you. I promise you there is no sin in this world that will give you the gratification that you need in your life. There is nothing that can help your circumstances and your problems and help you get through those things. But God, that's it. And so once you figure out where the repairing in your life is needed, once you find that hole, once you recognize, hey, this is the reason why I have a lukewarm relationship with God. This is the one thing I've been missing. That's when the rebuild can begin. So what I would say, if there's sin in your life, get an accountability partner, someone who can mentor you, who can help you through the thing that you are going through if you're not able to get over it. Maybe you're not spending enough time with God. Discipline yourself. Spend more time in his word. Spend more time praying. Join an XP group. Guys, Let let me tell you something. We just opened up XP groups today that they are live currently right now. They're starting on July 3rd. Join an XP group. This is where people are connecting with each other. I've had groups of people before who have come in and they say, I am struggling with this and I need help. I need you guys in this group to keep me accountable. I need you to keep me accountable because I've been doing this for alone for far too long and I'm done with it. And I don't want it in my life anymore. XP groups, it will help you grow in relationship with each other. But man, it will help you grow so much more in your relationship with God. These small groups are amazing. Diving deeper into your relationship with God. And so once the repair has started, that's when you're going to start seeing some change in your life. That's when you're going to start seeing that, hey, these circumstances, they can be different. These prayers that I've been praying for, I can see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And once that repair is started, then we can move to the part that's being all in in our relationship with God, being completely all in. No more lukewarm relationship, no more trusting in other things, no more trusting in the sin that's in my life, no more trusting in other things that this world can give, but only trusting in God because he's the only one that can bring anything to you that's going to continue to help you move forward. Trusting in God and what he will bring you, what you need, and leaning on him in everything, no matter what, in every aspect of your life. Because Israel, they weren't all in. The chosen people of God, the one that God said, you are my chosen people, you are my children, and they strayed so far away from God. They were not all in. They had a very lukewarm relationship at many times, and I I would go as far to say at times it was worse than being lukewarm. They had a very lukewarm relationship with God. I have a relationship with him. We understand what he's done. We get his history, but... I have a relationship with other gods as well. That's where they were at. That's where they were at at a lot of times in their history. However, Elijah, he was going to make sure that there is no doubt that there is only one God, that there is only one true God. And so what did he do? He threw multiple pots of water onto the wood. He made a trench around it And the the trench even had water in it—a trench that could hold four gallons. Did you have? Has anybody ever tried to start a fire with wet wood? It's it's it's. Listen, I'm no Boy Scout or anything like that. I've gone camping a couple times. I've been able to start a fire before, but I'll be completely honest. Starting a fire with wet wood, it, it, it just it doesn't work, especially when it's completely drenched and soaked to the core. And that's what Elijah does here. He says, there's no trickery up my sleeve. I'm going to drench everything with water and pour it all over it. You guys can do it. And then I'm going to show you what my God can do. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 through 39. At the time for offering the evening sacrifice... The prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, "Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and I am your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that this people will know you, the Lord, our God, that you the Lord are God and that you have turned that you have turned their hearts back. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. After the fire consumes everything, everything around the altar, the Israelites, they finally realize the error of their ways. They finally realize we've been going at this the wrong way for a long time. We've been led astray. We've gone off the path that we were on. And now we need to go back to God. We need to have a different mindset. And so we see here that they start worshiping the one true God again. Some of you right now are asking God what his plan is in your life. And I know that. And the reason why I know that is because I get a lot of people. I get a lot of people who tell me weekly, I don't know what God's plan is for me. I feel like I don't have a purpose in my life. I don't know where God wants me to go at this point and he's not answering me. And you're wondering why that God isn't uh, that God isn't answering you or allowing you to understand what his plan for your life is. So I want to give you a story on why that might be. A few weeks ago, I told you guys I, I preached a sermon about my mom, and I told you guys about her being called into being a pastor. And she didn't go into being a pastor until she was in her 60s. But she went back to college in her 50s and she decided to do it. Guys, hashtag it's not too late. Okay, that was the title of my sermon a couple weeks ago. But here's the thing. When she was in licensing school, my mom is an amazing woman, okay? I, I just wanna I, I just wanna give some love to my mom because she has mentored me a lot in my life. And, you know, she just has a lot of things going on right now. And so um she's she's just an amazing woman of God. But when she was in licensing school to become a pastor, she was told in the licensing school by the, by the instructor to ask a question to God and then receive an answer. Now that's kind of an interesting task. Like you need to ask God and you need to have an answer as well. That's a, that's an interesting task to be, to be given. So she asked what I think is a very basic question that I think probably all of us have asked at some point in our lives, God, what is your plan? What should I be preparing to do? I want to tell you guys this. When my mom was telling me the story this week, she's told me it before as well. I had already created the title of my sermon. I had already had all of the points to my sermon. And she had no idea. Well, she 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 had she knew what those things were, but this had already been, this had already happened. Like I had already created all these things. She asked, God, what is your plan? What should I be preparing to do? She then received an answer from God, and he said this to her. You tell me that you're all in. Then I'll tell you the plan. You tell me that you are all in, and only then I'll tell you what the plan is. What's the point here? if God were to tell you his plan before you were all in you're going to think that the plan is negotiable if God told you what the plan was oh I don't know God that's a little bit out of my comfort zone can we can we can we change this just a little bit more because I'm not quite all in on that plan oh that that sounds like it's gonna take a little bit too long for me can we, can we adjust the time just a little bit? So that, because that time doesn't work for me. I got something scheduled then, you know, you know how we are as humans. We got all the excuses in the book, but the thing is, is it's not negotiable. God's plan is not negotiable. We need to be all in. And I truly believe when we are all in, God will start to move in your life. And he will only then tell you what your plan, what the plan is. You can't be partway in. You need to be all in. You need to be all in. So I have a few questions for you as we close. I want you to truly reflect on your life right now. I want you to ask yourself, what does my relationship with God look like? Is is there a disconnect somewhere? Is my relationship with God lukewarm? Am I just staying stagnant where I'm at? Am I actually trying to move forward? Am I actually trying to dive deeper in my relationship with God? Or am I, am I just okay with where I'm at? Is there repairing that needs to be done? Have you found that hole so that you can actually repair that part in your life and your relationship with God? And if you feel like there is a disconnect and you feel like there's a hole somewhere, I encourage you, find where that hole is and start doing some rebuilding. Maybe you've walked far off the path and kind of like the Israelites did. But I want you to know, even if you've fallen away, those of you that have already received Jesus Christ into your life at some point in time, even if you've fallen far away, there is still grace and mercy to be found through Jesus Christ. And so I'm gonna give you an opportunity today to rededicate your life to Jesus. If that's something that you feel like you need to do because you've fallen so far away. But I also wanna talk to you guys, for those of you that have never known God or accepted Jesus Christ into your life ever. You're looking for ultimate comfort. I think all of us do. I think all of us look for that ultimate peace and that joy in our life and that ultimate happiness But what you've found is that the world can only give you things that will last only a temporary amount of time. They cannot last forever. But I want you to know something. Jesus can give you something that does last forever. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you specifically. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter the sin, no matter the baggage you're carrying, no matter your childhood, no matter what you're going through in your life right now, Jesus died on the cross for you because he cares and because he loves you and he knew that you are worth it. And so he died. And when he spilled his blood, that blood covers our hearts. It covers us so that all of the things that we've done wrong, all of the sin that is staining our hearts, it purifies it and makes it completely white as snow. And when, when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, because here's the fact of the matter, Jesus Christ, after he died on the cross, he rose from the dead. He is alive today. He will be alive forever. And listen, he is coming back one day. He will come back. And so when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, that power of rising from the dead, we can now rise from the dead as well, like Jesus did. And we can live for eternity with Jesus in heaven. That that with a place where there's place where there's no more tears, a place where there's no pain, a place where there is no sickness. Listen, I have multiple sclerosis, and I know that one day I will not have multiple sclerosis anymore because I know that I will be healed in that day when Jesus comes back for us. When we're when we're in heaven forever, there's only one way to get there. And that's through jesus christ i want to tell you there is a real hell there is a place that if you don't accept jesus there is a place that is an eternity of torture an eternity of suffering i don't know exactly what it's going to be like we know what the we only know what the bible tells us about hell but i can tell you this the way that it describes it that is not a place that i want to be that is not a place that i want to be It says that it's a place of gnashing of teeth. Have you ever been at a place where you just don't know where you're supposed to go and you're literally grinding your teeth? That's what it's gonna be like for all of eternity. But if you know Jesus and you've accepted him into your life, you can be in heaven for all of eternity with him, where there's that complete and ultimate peace, that ultimate comfort, the only things that he can give. And so I wanna give you an opportunity today If you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, to accept him into your life. And I wanna give you an opportunity as well if you wanna rededicate your life to do that as well. And what I would ask you to do to do that is to repeat this prayer after me. That It's not special words that you're gonna be saying or anything like that. What the prayer is, it's a tangible thing that you can use that some point in your life you might look back on. You might say, I'm kinda of doubting whether I'm a Christian. Did I ever actually make that decision? This is something that you can look back on and say, I remember making that decision. I remember making a decision that I Was going to be a follower, and then I gave my heart to Jesus. And you will know that you made that decision. You will know that you made that decision as you continue in that walk. That's a continuous walk for the rest of our lives with Jesus. So if you want to accept Jesus Christ for the first time in your life, or you want to rededicate your life, what I would ask you to do is repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I come before you right now. I thank you for your son Jesus And I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he rose from the dead. And right now, God, I receive your mercy, your grace, and your salvation. I commit my life to you. And Jesus, I ask you to live inside of me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those people right now that are accepting Jesus Christ into their life? Can we put some hype in the chat? And hey, I don't want to put the spotlight on you or anything, but if you just rededicated your life or if you just accepted Jesus Christ for the first time, what I would ask you to do is just put a yes in the chat. What We want we want to celebrate with you because it is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. And I can promise you that. I can promise you it is the most important. It is a decision that you will not regret and hey if you did make that decision today if somebody could do me a favor and type exclamation point connect in the chat I know I usually say next level but put explanation uh, exclamation point connect in the chat and what I would ask you to do is to fill out that form if you just made that decision today or if you rededicated your life. And the reason why is because we want to be able to connect with you and be able to give you some resources. There's a lot of questions that you might have about what what is the what 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 is what do I start reading in the Bible? What is prayer? Uh, what is this baptism thing that you guys talk about all the time? I I need to learn about these things because let me tell you something. It is not the end of something is it's not the end of something. It's the beginning of something brand new in your life. And it is a walk and it's something that we all need to learn together. And so we want to help you get started. If you just made that decision for the first time today. So definitely fill out that form and Hey, if this is your first time with us, we would ask you to fill out the connect form as well. We want to connect with you, get to know who you are and get you into the community get you guys plugged in and we just want to be able to serve you and pray for you better so definitely fill out that form if this is your first time here as well and guys right now we're going to go into a time of offering of giving And I want you guys to know that all of this is made possible. Everything that we do here is made possible because of your giving. Uh, The purpose of giving, listen, if this is your first time here, we don't expect anything from you, but we want everything for you. But if you do call God uh, God Squad Church your home church, we do believe in giving. We do believe that God has asked us to give as it is a form of worship and believing by faith that God is gonna continue to provide for us. It's hard sometimes, and I know that but it's something that God has asked us to do, to continue to do and have that faith in him. And so there are multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to God Squad Church. You can do so by going below the stream and clicking on the panel below there. You can give through uh, Streamlabs, or uh, sorry, you can give through PayPal if you go uh, click on that link below the stream once again. You can also go to our website, uh, GodSquadChurch.com, and you guys can give there, and that you can set up a monthly or a weekly re- recurring uh, donations if you guys would like to do that. Or finally, if you are a resident in the U.S., you can use text to give by texting any amount to number 84321. You can set it up that way. But hey, I want to thank you so much for your generosity and your faithfulness because like I said, everything that you guys give here is the reason why we can continue doing all that we do for God. We continue to see people, uh, people's lives being impacted and it's for God's glory. So thank you once again for your faithfulness and your generosity.